to really behold the, the beauty of our own essence, trauma, life, humanity, experience. And as we begin to be in relationship with our humanity and breathe into it and surrender to it, it creates a place of empathy for yourself, for your own journey. And it will allow me then to be empathetic towards the perceived other. Welcome to the Ignited Recovery Podcast, a new way forward for anyone looking for answers but feeling left out. If you've been searching for empowerment, triumph, and purpose, you've found them right here. You won't hear the same solutions, and you're not going to have any excuses to fall back on, because Ignited Recovery allows heroes to rise and become their best selves. I'm Dr. Adi Jaffe, and I can't wait to be your guide on this journey. Are you ready to become an Ignited Hero? How'd you get to write this thing? What was your own revolution of the soul that led you to writing this book? I never wanted to write this book. And uh, that was something that a lot of my students over the years had been requesting of me, you know, write a book. And I would humor them by saying, sure, yeah, I'll get around to it, knowing that there was no way that was going to happen because I, I sat with a limiting belief that I couldn't do it. Mm. There's one thing to uh, teaching facilitated experiences. When you're embodying uh, conversations around spirituality um, and people are moving and breathing, they're not necessarily listening to every word. They're feeling it more than they are um, interpreting uh, it literally. And so I've heard myself contradict myself in in the same <laughs> sentence, but just move on because yeah. I knew that people were connecting to it in a different way. And, but to write a book, as you know, that I need to have a follow through that if I say something in chapter two, someone can Google it and make sure that it's actually true and it has to follow through to chapter 10. And so I resisted. But one of the things that I believe is that we are all here to serve something bigger than our own um, small self, and that we're responsible for going towards our limiting beliefs. Um, otherwise, we're allowing our ego to determine our service in the world and our purpose. And this is something that I teach. It's something that I believe in 100%. And yet, uh, in the in the back of my mind, the limiting belief that I had that I wasn't smart enough or organized enough or didn't have enough context to be able to create something like this lived within me. And I thought, I have to write this book to see, to go towards those limiting beliefs, to understand where where they came from, how they live in my body, where else do they show up, and where did I learn them in the first place mm -hmm. that they're with me today at 53? So for That's you, why I did it. So for you, writing the book was part of the revolution of the soul? Well, absolutely. The, the revolution of the soul is... I'd have to say the revolution is the inner work that we do on ourselves so that we can move into the world with more equanimity, empathy, and compassion so that we can end the separation that exists to move us as a culture towards peace. But the revolution begins within, and our personal evolution is the revolution. Mm. And so my commitment was to the evolutionary process, knowing that that would inevitably lead to change within and more collectively. So almost like if um, if everybody goes on their own evolutionary journey, it, it'll almost create, it'll, it'll materialize a revolution because 
life as it is right now wouldn't exist because we'd all be in a different place. And what I love about that is, as you were talking about what made you think that you couldn't write a book, you know, that word, uh, the, the phrase imposter syndrome kind of comes up a lot. And you mentioned you can speak to people and you knew how to do that. So you had already talked to yourself out because there, there used to be a time where you thought you couldn't even stand up in front of people and talk. Truly. Because who, who would care? Mm-hmm. Who cares about what Sean has to say, right? That's kind of the, the voice that exists for a lot of us who speak. Well, why, why would people care? It's just my thoughts. And then you did that long enough, so you proved to yourself that it could be done. But the book had been something that you'd never done. Yeah. Because what I heard, which I love, by the way, is there's this notion of what a book must be. And even that notion is a limiting belief. A book can 100% be contradictory in chapter five compared to chapter one. Great, you tell me now. <laughs> I know, right? After you, you like ch- fact-checked everything. I think what I find, and I think what Sophie, as she was talking to me about your book, really connected to so wholeheartedly is how genuine it is. And there's a difference between writing a, a novel, like a work of fiction, where the arcs are perfect, Right. And everything, everything just flows right into just the, you know, the, the shocking development in the, in the episode and the story just appears right when it's supposed to versus something like this, which is almost like a guidebook. It's almost like a, a sharing of your own journey in order to show other people, Hey, this is possible. You can live in a way, and this is so much, Sophie, the message that we deliver all the time to people is you can live your life as it is right now and believe that nothing else is possible. And yet, all these things you have never understood, don't know how they could possibly happen, would bet your last dollar on will never materialize, can all absolutely be part of your reality with these shifts in your perception of what's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, (laughs) as I... You know, I picked that, as I told you, when you got here, Elizabeth sent me a copy of the book. Your PR sent me a copy of the book. I think two or three other people sent it to me <laughs> as a gift. I meant to read this book, yeah. apparently. Um, and to meet you, finally, after all these years, I did my first teacher training, I think, at least 10 years ago, maybe 12. And I've done several since. And it's been an ongoing. I started doing yoga when I was 18, when I moved to L.A., and uh, it was, it's been a transformational journey and it's evolved, of course, as we all do. And your name has popped up throughout the years and it's, it's always come with such love and devotion. And um, it's just cool how things happen exactly when they're supposed to. And you're supposed to meet people exactly when you're supposed to meet them. And um, I haven't finished the book yet, but I'm excited to. And I think the part that I really love so far, I'm at chapter seven, is the way that I really resonated with the way that you are sharing the light and the dark, the shadows, everything as part of your experience in stepping into yoga. And how that's really the, the anchor is that we all experience this darkness. We all experience the shadows. We all have challenges. That's an absolute, but it's what you do with those challenges and how you see it and that everything's a perspective. Like the man in the bar mm-hmm. who saw angels in everyone and just, I mean that, what was his name? Billy. Billy, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's a constant reminder that we 
we have to keep checking in with our perspective in everything and continue evolving, right? Like I forget all the time that everyone's an angel, but they are. And I know that within my soul, within the depths of who I am, I know that, but I forget just like I forget how to drop in. So I write myself love notes a million times a year. Like, don't forget, this is how you love yourself. And this is how you drop into the best version of who you are. I know these things if you were to ask me, but I forget. Sure. Life happens. So that was like the first layer of falling in love with your book. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, the thing that I experience within the wellness and especially the spirituality communities is bypass. Yeah. There's the the, the text within yoga can be very patriarchal at times. Mm. And uh, this idea that big feelings come up, you detach, mm. um, that you don't allow yourself to... Um, to engage and to get to, uh, again, to attach to any circumstance. But detachment without awareness is dissociation. Mm -hmm. And so what I've experienced is people using languaging in the yoga community to actually bypass the rage, the shame, the fear, the Mm. grief, the guilt, the humanity. And as a result, what I see is a lot of sick people Mm -hmm. because all that information is suppressed in the body um, and yoga teaches us that everything has to be in relationship. You can't know the light without the shadow. Mm-hmm. And that if we deny our humanity, we're also going to deny the potential of our spirituality. Mm. And so my commitment to my own practice, because I've been in therapy since 18, mm-hmm. along with yoga, that I I refuse not to be allowed to go towards the rage, the shame, the guilt, the grief, because there's information in there that's going to lead to acceptance and patience and forgiveness. And so this is what's always been very important for me Mm. that I want to, uh, the the word uh, um, is coming to my mind is model, but it's not the right word and I haven't figured out what it is yet, but model back to the community that the practice of awakening to spirituality is messy. It is complex. Mm. It's it's cyclical, not necessarily linear. The thing is, the rate in which we stay in our stuckness gets shorter and shorter when mm. we have tools. Yes. I think that's what's so important for people to understand. Because a couple of things, right? People think that if you get really spiritual, you stop getting angry. Right. People think that if you get really connected, then Bad you don't get don't sad happen. or anxious. Right. And that's just bullshit. Yeah. It's just not true. Hey everybody, it's Adi again, and I want to share with you something that I believe is one of the most useful free tools I've ever created for my clients and for you. It's our free personalized My Drinking Score report. Look, you already know that at Ignited, we don't care much for labels, and we don't believe in any of those once a blah, 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 always a blah, blah, blah slogan. But if you are questioning your specific relationship with alcohol, you may be trying to figure out how to understand what you need to do and whether you're moving in the right direction. Well, then this completely free tool is for you and will give you the answers you're looking for. All you're gonna do is you're gonna take a five minute quiz answering simple questions that you know the answers to. And then like magic, our system is gonna spit out a custom report so that you can find out more about your relationship with alcohol and actually get guidance and help to some of the changes that you can individually make. I created this tool to give you a customized, personalized virtual resource that you can take at any time and that makes it easy to get the exact recommendations and steps that you need to help eliminate your struggles. Anybody can take it and did I mention that it's completely 100% free? 
Well, it is. So stop running around in circles trying to figure out why you're having a hard time getting sober and get real solutions and guidance to help transform your life and get ignited forever. Just pause this audio right now and go to ignited.com forward slash go. Again, that's ignited.com forward slash go and take our five minute quiz right now. Find out what your drinking score is and then share it and tag us on Instagram or Facebook because remember, fuck shame. Together, we get to move forward and get better every day. There could be this ultimate state of enlightenment, maybe where you completely disappear into a state of bliss. But everybody needs to understand that just like you wanted to write a perfect book, but perfection is an illusion. It doesn't exist. Um, It it can be a thing you shoot towards, understanding you're going to miss the mark and just get really good. You're just going to be great at something. You're not going to be perfect at it. Um, almost no matter how much you practice, right? And so the same applies to our own internal dialogue. The job is to get better and clearer and more transparent. And when you get more transparent and more honest and more um, connected and intimate with the people near to you, anger comes up. Mm -hmm. It's just that instead of it coming up and you holding on to it for 15 years because you don't want to say anything, but you really resent the people that you're living with and they're staying with, and that makes you hate your life, which creates, you said, inflammation. I almost heard inflammation Mm -hmm. because that's what gets created from all this stress. And we did an episode on that. So now you're getting sick and then eventually you find out you have cancer or a hypertension or, you know, whatever. You get a stroke. Instead of that, what happens instead is you get to have a real conversation like, hey, I don't like what you're doing right now. This is making me really upset and we need to address it. And that is a perfectly functional place for a spiritual enlightened being to be is to Mm -hmm. communicate your truest feelings because then, and I think that for me, that's where my evolution slash revolution in our life, I know for Sophie and I've been, it's not that everything is roses and sunshine and unicorn all the time. It's just that when the bear shows up or the tiger shows up or, you know, you want to just scream at the top of your lungs, you have tools Mm -hmm. and using those tools, you deal with things in minutes or hours or, you know, maybe sometimes it takes days, but you deal with them. They get addressed. You come out of it on the other side, better improved. the relationships that you're in become improved and gradually. And this is, I think the revolution part for us and for the ignited kind of community is gradually you find yourself surrounded by other people who have not only accepted, but cherish that new sense of transparency because they start understanding the gifts that they get from it. And now they do the same thing with you and with everybody else in their life. And it creates this community that just wants to be the best that we can be at all times. It's that expectation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, a couple of my girlfriends and I send around a gratitude list every day to each other. I'm not the greatest at it. Like I probably do it twice a week, but this morning our friend Jamie, what's up Jamie? Um, Our Jamie wrote that she's so thankful that all the relationships in her life and the people in her life are exactly what you just said, that they're people doing the work, that the people in her life, they're all showing up every day to do the work. And that it's so true. Like the the more people in your life that are doing the work, the, the better you're going to be the better we're all going to be as a race, as a, as a world, if we're all just diving in and looking at the full spectrum of who we really are and doing, doing the things that are uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. uncovering the things that hurt and sting and we want to shy away from. Yeah. Well, look at what's happening in the world. You said, Sean, that, you know, by doing this personal evolution, 
it creates this revolution. It, it dismantles the structures. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes it's this fear that we almost kind of get to inherit, right? Other people are bad. They're going to hurt you. So you better protect yourself and everything mm-hmm. close to you. Don't tell anybody how you feel. Don't tell anybody what's really going on with you. Always put on the mask. Always wear the costume and just pretend to be who they need you to be because if you're not, you will be damaged. And you know, This belief that I feel like so many of us get indoctrinated into makes us live a life where we're surrounded by other people who are never telling us the truth. They're always mm-hmm. protecting themselves. And so we're all, even if we're amongst friends, even if we live in a community, we're kind of isolated. We're lost inside because we feel like nobody would understand us. And I fight shame a lot with the people I work with. We're so ashamed of any imperfections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as you were doing your own work, what do you mind walking us through that evolution? Like, so you're, you know, Sophie just mentioned when she found yoga and all that, that process for her, like mm-hmm. what allowed you to connect and recognize that this is something you want or maybe even need? Well, I would have to say that, I mean, people are going to approach these embodied practices very differently. There, there, there seems to be an arc, but that's not, uh, it's a, it's, it's not an absolute. My experience of yoga when I first started, it was purely physical. I was an atheist. I had no interest in spirituality whatsoever. And I just did it to feel better in my body. And it took about eight years until I had unexpectedly, but a very emotional experience in a yoga class. And when it was, it was terrifying while it was happening. Is this the Kundalini class? This is prior. This is (laughs) before that in Brian's class. Um, When I had a a, a flashback, this is before I understood the mind-body connection. Mm. This is before I understood trauma. All I knew was that something happened and all of this emotion was coming up out of me. And, but I had enough tools and support to make me curious, to want to begin to understand the mind-body connection and how trauma impacts us, how it lives in the body. And not only personal trauma, but historical, ancestral, uh, cultural trauma. That was a turning point for me personally, because what I noticed at the end of that emotional breakthrough is that I felt more present, more open, more connected to something. And I it, certainly at that point, it wasn't like I was even thinking God um, or spirituality, but there was an availability in my body, in my heart, in my mind that allowed me to be in, interested in what, what is this? What's happening? What's next? And what I learned during that period, and I always think this is important for people who are doing yoga or any embodied practices to understand, that yoga teaches us there's no separation between the mind and body, that our thoughts have an effect on our physiology. And when we practice yoga and we stretch, the information, the trauma, the rage, the shame, the hate, the guilt, all the emotions associated with these traumas, they're a literal vibration. They have a resonance. And if we're not discharging that energy through yelling, screaming, processing in some capacity, we will self-soothe alcohol, food, sex, shopping, whatever it might be, um, to avoid the feelings. What happens when we move our bodies, when we begin to stretch, when the contraction becomes expansion, the information that's living within the cells, it's also called um, samskara in the practice of yoga, it comes to the surface. And that's when the yoga begins. The real yoga begins then right in the, not just the physical discomfort, but in the emotional discomfort 
At that moment, people will fidget, they'll look around, they'll fantasize, they'll find other ways to self-soothe. And what we're being taught is to stay present to the sensation. Um, The sensation is the language of the body. That period of time for me was hard and it was intense, very, very complex, but it let me understand that these narratives, personal and historical, lived in my body, including the limiting beliefs around writing a book, the, the I am not enoughness. I know intellectually that's not true, but my body, the, in terms, let's say, going back to my grandmother, Jewish, Polish, uh, uh, don't be seen, don't be too loud. If you're too loud, if you're too seen, especially as a woman, you can die. And now that is not something I think about, but in that moment of putting myself out there and letting myself be seen, that's my grandmother saying, stop it, don't do it. And the yoga helps me to be present to those sensations, to be in the pause, to observe my reactivity and let myself open to the fear to see what's on the other side, which is always liberation. It's just, I don't know that when I'm in the fear. Yeah. Um, I mean, man, there's so much in there. <laughs> you know, it's, um, so I studied neuroscience when I was studying psychology. And, and as you're talking, our brain, when it remembers anything, when it has an experience of anything, it's all inclusive. Our brain doesn't separate. I mean, it, it separates in the way it processes sight from sound, from touch, from internal feeling and, and things of that nature, right? Like emotion. But they're all working together and they're all interconnected. And every memory that you have is actually a memory of the entire experience. That's why people have this happen all the time and they um, they might not recognize it, but like it's, you know, right before Thanksgiving when we're recording this, people will walk into their parents' house and then wonder why they regress. Well, guess what? Your parents have lived in this house for 45 years. When you learned how to be a human in this house, you were 12 and eight. And when you walk into the house, your body knows how to behave in that house. And it knows how to behave as an eight-year-old. Because you haven't lived in that house since you were 16. You moved out or whatever, like your scenarios. So that's when your brain stopped learning how to behave in that place. And you feel it. I mean, you guys are listening to this in the middle of the holidays. And so just pay attention. You feel it on the drive to your parents' house. As you get off the freeway, as you... Uh, take your last turn as you you, book your plane ticket it starts as you get closer and closer your brain does more and more of saying oh we oh we know this and so as you're talking about the embodied movement part your body's literal position the tension in your muscles in the moment of the construction of the memory especially if you had trauma right especially i'm thinking about women we were talking about this for the sexuality month like there was no tomorrow you know people talk about 20 percent of women having been sexually assaulted and raped I mean, that depends on what you define as rape. Like if you're talking about literal penetration against your will with somebody holding you down, then maybe it's 20%. But if you're talking about women being inappropriately sexually addressed and and feeling a charge, an inappropriate, unsafe. negative, yeah. unsafe charge, it's pretty damn close to 100. Yeah. Like we're pretty, I think the numbers there are in, incredibly high. And so for a lot of men, this is a difficult thing to imagine. But imagine the first time something like that happens, right? You live innocent, you've never been betrayed, you've never had that fear, and then your world in a, in a split second changes. A 45-year-old man looks at you, you're nine years old, and you're like, what was that? Look, whatever that, I don't know what it is for everybody, I don't wanna just generalize, because I didn't go through it, but so many women I know have been through something like that. Your brain remembers. It goes, oh, I know the feeling I had, yeah, I know how my remembers. body tensed mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I remember having to go to the side. I remember going into my room and pulling the blanket. I remember crying, whatever the thing was. 
but it's not explicit. There's no, there's no lesson about this. That's why I love these conversations. But mm-hmm. nobody comes up to you with a book and says, hey, you look like you just had a really traumatic experience. Here's a book about mm-hmm. what the, that happens in your brain. Mm-hmm. Here's what you're going to need to do to release it. Yeah. So you don't think about it. And then you just grow up the rest of your life with that experience being part of how you view the world, the perspective. That's why you said, like, we don't know that we need to change this stuff. And what I'm hearing is then you find yourself in yoga class and the setting is just right and the movement is just right and something lands you in this place that you just haven't felt it hasn't been released. It's never it's never been brought back up in, in, the, in that way. When we land into that, when we recognize, that's one of those moments where I, I don't want to say lack of control, but I want to say we're not the ones pulling the strings at that moment, right? You've just been triggered and there's this expression of your past and your history and your ancestral history, epigenetics and all this stuff that happens in our bodies that gets come out. Um, and for people to first of all know, like you, like you were just saying, Sean, that that's not only okay, that's a shared experience. We've all had that. We've all been there and it's shocking and it's difficult and it's troubling. But what I love you saying is that was actually the beginning of enlightenment for you, right? Up until that point, you said the word atheist and yoga was a physical, like, oh, it was a workout. You use it to work out. But in that moment, it changed and you discovered there was another road, like a door opened. Well, what was scary in that, and again, why most people might not, will we'll go into yoga and say, that's not for me. I don't like that. We get addicted to that tension because that tension actually becomes part of our survival, that contraction, um, meaning that when we experience anything that's traumatic or overwhelming and the brain releases the chemicals, our bodies contract out of mm. safety, fight, flight, freeze, or collapse. That moment of, of contraction becomes like, oh, okay, I'm not safe. My body's not safe. Well, what happens is it's cumulative. So every single time after that moment that the body experiences something that says, oh, this reminds me of that moment, I'm unsafe, that contraction happens. And that contraction then is what makes us reactive. So if you and I meet on the street and you say something, and maybe it hurts my feelings, maybe it's slightly insulting, I might in that moment, I'm no longer in present time, I've reverted back to the original insult or assault. Mm. And my reaction to you is to be either overwhelm you and make you feel worse than you just made me feel mm-hmm. or get passive. And this becomes part of our reactivity. So I'm no longer coming from a place of love and connection. I'm like, okay, I'm on to you. So I'm in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think what happens with yoga is that you break, break down the tension it connects you to your vulnerability, which is very, very scary for a lot of people because yeah. we're not taught how to be vulnerable. But if you can stay with it and be present to it, then that vulnerability is what allows us to finally surrender. And it's that surrender that's the pathway to God. Mm. Not God as something that's um, just outside of ourselves. That, again, this is spirituality 101. Mm. God is truth and love. It exists within you, it exists within all. And the only thing that blocks us from our capacity to really behold the, the beauty of our own essence trauma, life, humanity, experience. And as we begin to be in relationship with our humanity and breathe into it and surrender to it, it creates a place of empathy for yourself, for your own journey, 
and it will allow me then to be empathetic towards the perceived other. This is the pathway to God. It's love. Mm -hmm. And that's it. If you want to put Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. Yahweh onto it, it, it does, Mickey Mouse, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's truth and it's love. And you can be an atheist and have a strong spiritual practice if your commitment yeah. is to love. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignited Heroes Recovery Podcast. I really hope you found the information here useful and that we'll see you back here next week. And look, I want to make sure that this podcast is the most useful it can be for you. So please let me know by emailing info at ignited.com if there are any specific topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. As usual, if you like this episode, I would love for you to leave us a five-star review and rating. Thanks and see you next week.